Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Today I want to talk to you about Paul's thorn in the flesh. This is used by people who don't believe in divine healing or believe that God sovereignly chooses who is to be healed or not. When we get through with this explanation today, you're going to rejoice in the fact that God's healing is for everyone, including you. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Good morning and welcome to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. We have a great broadcast today. I'm going to speak about something that has bothered Christians for some time, and it's those that believe in divine healing. I believe in divine healing. I believe God heals today just like He's always healed in the Old Testament and even more increased into the New Testament when Jesus appeared, and that increased ministry is still here today that uh, the Lord wants to heal and it's his desire to heal. As much as his desire is to save us from sin, he wants to heal us from disease. But there's arguments in the word of God, and rightly so, this is one that tends to stand out, and this is Paul's thorn in the flesh. So I want you to turn with me today to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're gonna take a look at verses seven through 10. And the teaching around this verse of scripture is this, that first of all, Paul had a tendency toward pride. Well, yes, as a sinner, he did. Yes, it was probably still there, but that Satan was sent and a demon was sent by God to him to keep him humble. And so we're going to find out today that both of those are wrong, yet it appears in this verse of Scripture that's what God was saying. But let's take a look closer look at it. And while you're turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I want to just mention, too, this is taken from my book on how deep are the stripes and uh, the healing ministry of Jesus. And so we'll talk about that uh, here in this lesson today, the healing ministry and why that uh, Jesus Christ died for us on the cross, not only for sins, but also for sickness. Now let's get past something here. The most important thing Jesus did on the cross was to save us from our sins. It's the only one of the reasons why Jesus died on the cross that is eternal. And the moment you receive Jesus, you'll be with him forever, all the way through life and into heaven forever. But healing is not as important. Although it was died for, it's used as a witnessing tool to win people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, also God wants to heal you. And understand it's not as important as your salvation because any healing will only last longest until your death and then it'll be gone. So this is the eternal thing, but we're gonna take a look today at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses seven through 10. Here Paul says, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, that's all that Paul had received, the books of the Bible he wrote, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan. Now let's take that word of because it's a messenger from Satan, not from God, but from Satan sent to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. That is your weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches in needs and persecutions in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's get it straight. All right. The work of Jesus on the cross saved us from sin and healed us from all diseases. And so this is brought out strongly in the word of God. God is just as interested in ridding you of a sickness as he is in ridding you of a sin, but we have to come back to the actual value of it again, getting rid of sin in our life 
and that is eternally rid of sin to take us to heaven, but also in the temporary life we had, God is interested in getting rid of that sin so we can better serve him. Let's talk about scriptures that deal with both healing and also removal of sin. Psalm 103 verse three, he forgives all of our iniquities and he heals all of our diseases. Matthew 8, 16, they brought to him many who were demon possessed and he cast out the spirits with his word. The whole multitude tried to touch him for power went out of him and he healed them all. Luke chapter six and verse 19. In Matthew 12, 15, great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. Notice all. That's the same word all that's found when it comes to removal of sin in our life. He wants to remove all sin from all people. That's his goal. And so we find out he healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. This is a quote from Isaiah 53 and verse four, of which Jesus correctly translated it in Matthew 8, 17. The disciples in the book of Acts saw all healed of all diseases. Acts chapter eight, the multitudes were delivered from demons and healed of all diseases. This was in Samaria. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Acts 19, 11, God worked special miracles by the hands of Paul, and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Acts 28, verses eight and nine, Paul on the island of Miletus, Malta, laid his hands on the leader of the island and he healed of, of all sickness in and disease and were healed in the island. So we find here again, over and over again. What about today? James 5.14 speaks to Christians. Is there any sick among you? Notice this, it doesn't say certain ones. Is there any sick among you? Says the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up comes right down to this. With all those definitions, we have to come back to this. Paul's thorn was not a sickness or a disease that could that needed to be healed, all right? Paul's thorn was given by Satan to keep Paul's ministry from being exalted above measure like the ministry of Jesus. Paul's missionary journeys changed and affected cities and built churches in Galatia. Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Greece, Ephesus, Rome, and Jerusalem. And Ephesus was the main city for revival, a city built, and six other churches were built out of that one. Three years this revival went on, and then that church built three other churches found in Revelation chapter two and three. These are the seven churches of Asia. It was reported that Paul's ministry had turned the world upside down. This messenger sent against Paul from a demon came directly from Satan and it was to keep his ministry from being exalted, not Paul from being exalted. What we're talking about here is Paul's ministry became so huge, no one else had a ministry like Paul. Peter's never even got close and James and John never ever got close. They did great things, but Paul just started church after church and literally as it was said of him, he's turned the world upside down. The whole known world was turned upside down because of the ministry of one man and Satan had to stop him from being exalted above measure. The exalted above measure has nothing to do with Paul's pride. It's the size of his ministry. 
They kept expanding and expanding. If Paul was having a problem with pride, then why did Satan send a demon to stop it? Satan is the author of the sin of pride. He's the one that first demonstrated it. And it seems to me he would do everything in his power to not stop Saul or Paul here from becoming exalted above measure in that respect. But what he did try to do was stop the size of his ministry from expanding beyond measure. We've seen it happen today. I think of Billy Graham's ministry. Who would have ever thought when he first started it would become a na- an international ministry that went around the world? And we see the point of it there is, is Paul in his day was doing that and more. Because yes, the name of ministers are still remembered today, but Paul still stands out as the greatest because his books are still all over the world. His reputation still all over the world. And his ministry is still growing beyond recognition. And the point of it was is Satan tried through a demon attacking Paul, and it wasn't sickness, it wasn't disease. What was this demon? The demon was sent to try to stop Paul's ministry from growing anymore. Satan had already experienced the ministry of Jesus and didn't want another one in Paul's ministry, and so the demon was sent to buffet Paul to hit him repeatedly. In other words, this demon was sent to cause great destruction around him and to bring people against him, to bring religious leaders against him, to bring uh, those in, in government against him, to bring mobs against him. All these things kept happening and Paul just kept right on going and his ministry just kept right on growing. They threw him in jail and guess what happened in jail? He said it in the book of Rome, in the book of Romans, here I am in jail, but now those of the household of Caesar are being saved because why? People down here are attached to me. They think I'm attached to them. Oh no, they're attached to me. I'm chained to them. Oh no, they're chained to me and they're gonna hear the gospel for the six hours they are here. They leave, the next group comes along and for four times a day, for six hours at a time, Paul had four quaternions of soldiers around him, four soldiers at a time, and he won many of them to the Lord. They went home and won their families to the Lord, and Paul's reputation began to spread even while he was in prison. Paul's thorn in the flesh was a strong attack by a demon to bring trials and affliction. Paul said in verse nine, therefore most gladly I will rather boast in the midst of my infirmities, that's weaknesses, that the power of Christ may rest on me, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, that's lies and false accusations, in need, that's hunger, being broke, no place to rest, in persecutions, that's stonings and beatings and whippings and imprisonment, in distress, his life was in danger from assassins, and notice what he says there, for Christ's sake. So Paul chose to remain in faith and accept God's grace to answer these supernatural attacks. What is God trying to say to us through the apostle Paul? You can pray against sickness. It's part of the word of God. You can pray against disease. It's part of the word of God. But when it comes to persecutions, God says, rest in my grace, rest in my promises. In fact, Hebrews chapter three and Hebrews chapter four are both two chapters telling us how the Old Testament saints fared in the wilderness and they weren't successful. Why not? They never learned to rest in the midst of persecution. What the devil cannot stand is when persecutions come and we rest in it. We rest on the promises of God. We rest on the faithfulness of God. We rest on the God that has always brought us through every single trial. And we realize something, many are the afflictions of the righteous. That's not sickness. That's not disease. That's trials and pressures and people talking about you, spreading false things about you, lies about you, things that Paul went through years. And it says again, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver him out of them all. 
What are we supposed to do? Rest and trust the promises of God. Why, they've always worked before. They still work today and they will always work into the future. So again, Paul was simply saying, I will gladly rest. I will gladly boast in the midst of my infirmities and rest on the promises of God that the power of Christ may rest on me. God's greatest power on you doesn't come because you get rid of a sickness or a disease. It comes in the midst of trials and troubles and tribulations, you stand on the word of God. The word of God will make character in you and bring a you to the point where you'll just, you're willing to go through anything to get the gospel out there and realize something. Satan can throw things at you, but Satan is temporary. God is eternal. Satan's threats are temporary. God's word is eternal. And God's eternal word will always take care of those problems that you have to face. So Paul chose again to remain in faith, accept God's grace to answer these supernatural attacks. Right now, I've gone through attacks, but never to the point Paul has. But I've learned something from Paul who went through greater that I have, and that is simply keep trusting and resting in God. In other words, sleeping through the trials that come to me in life as Jesus did in the boat. And so again, I can tell you how you can have a copy of my book on how deep are the stripes, referring to not only physical sickness, it all goes into very emotional things. Jesus, the first thing he said in speaking about that, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. Some of you brokenhearted, get hold of this book. It'll be a tremendous chance in your life to come closer to God. I'll see you right after the break. With sin, Adam opened the door to every spiritual and physical curse for all mankind, including sickness. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. In How Deep Are the Stripes, Bobby Andian reveals that sickness and disease are the outward manifestations of eventual death. But Jesus came to give you life that includes health, wholeness, and victory in the course God has set before you. Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave and gave you authority over every sickness or disease that would ever try to steal the health that belongs to you. To order How Deep Are the Stripes, visit our website at bobbyendian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. 
first time Jesus just took his disciples aside and taught them the power of walking with him and trusting in him. And he told them different, you know, analogies in the word of God. But after he was through, after he'd explained the word, the importance of standing on the word of God, he asked his disciples, did you understand what I said? It says, the Bible says they all said yes. But you know what I, I think it looked like? I think it was kind of like, uh, yeah, 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 sure, we got that. And so whenever you get the word of God and you might even say, yes, I understand the word of God, you can count on it, tribulation's gonna come. One of the reasons tribulation's gonna come is like in Paul's ministry, tribulation comes because of the word's sake. Trusting God, standing on his word, studying his word, applying it in your life is gonna make you a target for the devil. But the results and the rewards are absolutely incredible. Christians everywhere talk about, well, I just don't seem to have a whole lot of great rewards in life. How are you standing up against persecution? Well, I don't get that much persecution. Well, if you take the promises of God, whenever a problem comes along, you search out the promises of God, you find one you want to stand on, and you begin standing on it, I can tell you this, all hell's going to start breaking loose around you. Again, many are the afflictions of the righteous. The righteous are not those just that are saved, it's those that are living in righteousness. Satan doesn't want you to get saved. But if you do get saved, the next thing he doesn't want you to do is become a disciple. Why? Because Christians go to heaven, but disciples take other people with them. What I'm saying is the fact that once you become a disciple of the Lord, you start winning souls. And here's how you become a disciple. Jesus said, John chapter 8, to those Jews who just believed in him, he said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Continue in the word and you'll know the word and the truth will make you free. And so the word of God as truth keeps us free. We're made free the moment we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. We have peace when we first get born again. But what means that attains that freedom and that peace and causes it to grow is your understanding and application of the word of God. But understand this, peace in your life and joy in your life and fulfillment of your life is going to come in the midst of great persecution. Great persecution Whenever you're living for God is one of the greatest indicators you have. You are irritating the devil. You're irritating the kingdom of Satan. And by doing that, they're, they're launching things at you. Now, if it's sickness and disease, God promised he, that Jesus went to the cross for that, but he didn't go to the cross for the trials of life. What we're to do with the trials of life is simply stand on the word of God. Trust in God's promises. Trust in his love. Trust in, in the fact that if I continue walking with God, I'm going to come out of this on the other side. I don't know how long it's going to take, but honestly, you get to the point, I don't give a rip. I don't care at all how long it's going to take. You know what? Because I'm going to outlast the devil. And if I walk with God and have his fulfillment in me, have his power in me, have his promises behind me, I'm going to outlive the devil on this one. And I know for eternity, I'm going to outlive the devil. I know what his future is going to be. His future was where I was headed before I got saved. He's going to be in hell and the lake of fire forever and forever. And the place he wants to go, he can never go back to. He wanted to be in heaven and rule with God. I'm going to be in heaven and rule with God. I'm going to sit right by Jesus. I'm in heaven and I'm going to be seated up there with him. In fact, God sees me right there now. That really irritates the devil because that's where he wanted to be. He tried to overthrow God. He tried to overthrow the kingdom there. 
there and seat himself there, but he got kicked out of heaven and he'll never get back in to remain. He can go up there and, and you know, complain about us. He can go and stand before God and accuse us, but that's all that he can do. He cannot remain there. So you can see with everything, Satan hates us because we've accepted Jesus, but he hates us more when we start winning others to the Lord. And for those who decide they're going to be a great soul winner, that they're going to go out and win souls for Jesus, you can bank on it. All hell's going to start to break loose in your life, but that should be just a great stamp of approval that I am winning souls and I am doing what God has asked me to do. So that's the beauty of it. Throughout the word of God, we are told, and here's what Paul came back to in this thorn in the flesh. This thing came from the devil. It is something trying to stop my ministry from being exalted. Here it is covering all these cities now. And today it is worldwide. Paul's ministry is worldwide. And of all the people of the New Testament, next to Jesus himself, Paul had the greatest influence on the Gentiles and the Jews, both, and affected them. And, they, and so, so many hated him. They actually laid traps for him. We're told in the word of God, when he would go on a trip somewhere, there was one time he started to get on a boat with his disciples and said, now, and I said, I'm just going to walk. And he did. Well, there were assassins on the ship. He didn't know that. He just felt led his heart. I'd like to go for a walk and I'll just meet you there later. So they went across the water and he went around the, the shore and they eventually met up later. But the point of it was God protected him through all of that. And the beauty of it was Paul just rested in the promises of God. Even in prison, he was at rest. In the worst of situations, he was at rest. You know one reason why? This world is not my home. Song that I sang growing up in church. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. I may have some nice things in life, but it doesn't even compare to what I'm going to have in heaven. So again, Ephesus became one of the major centers for Paul's revival, but persecution was strong there. It indicates throughout all of it that a lot of times our successes come out of the midst of great battles. And by following the Lord, this is going to happen. So Jesus one time again was ministering to his disciples and asked him that question. I think I'm getting back there now. But I asked the question, do you understand what I'm saying? And they went, uh-huh. He said, okay. Whenever you say, uh-huh, you can bank on it. What you've learned is going to be tested. And they all went and got into a ship. And Jesus said, let us, let us pass over to the other side. Let's take that. Let us pass over to the other side. Let us, not some of us, let us pass over, not go halfway in sync. Let us pass over to the other side. And what he was saying was with that, he got the, gave them a promise. He was going to put to practice what they had just learned. What did he give them? A promise that was going to come to pass. When it comes from Jesus, when it comes from God, when it comes to God's word, it might take a little time, but if God promised it, it's going to come to pass. All God asks you to do is put your trust in him. You know what Jesus did? Jesus went downstairs in that little ship and he fluffed up a pillow and he went to sleep on it. And a great storm broke out and the disciples were petrified, screaming. You know what they're just proving? They're just proving they didn't understand what he said in this teaching where he took them aside and taught them from the word of God. He taught them in parables and taught them these different stories. And by the end of it, said, did you understand what I'm saying? They said, uh-huh, 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 but they didn't understand. They got into the ship. The, the moment that the storm broke out, they started screaming and yelling and Jesus was downstairs snoring. And, they, and the water was sloshing into the ship. 
And so they went down to check on Jesus. They said, Jesus, don't you care? They woke him up and said, don't you care that we're perishing? Well, first of all, can you imagine accusing Jesus of not caring? He came to this earth to die for them. He was giving them the word, giving them sound promises and giving them the way the world works, but the way God works. If you follow what God says and how he works, you can overcome what Satan has done. And now they're in the ship. And so Jesus gets up and says to them, and, and says to them, what are, you, what are you talking about? They said, we're sinking, we're dying in this ship. And so Jesus turned around and calmed the storm and said, peace be still. They looked at him and they thought, and they actually said this, even the winds and the seas obey him. Jesus was the creator of the winds and the, and the seas and all this kind of stuff. And then Jesus looked at them and chewed them out. You say, why did he chew them out? He stilled the storm because of their unbelief. He told them because of their unbelief. What Jesus was demonstrating to them is the best way to handle a storm is quit rebuking it, screaming and yelling at it. Again, stand against it. But the point of it is, is the end of it is, is rest on the promises of God. That pillow that Jesus had represent a promise. How do we get through trials and troubles? This is not a sickness. This is not a disease. It's the storms of life, which Satan sends against us. And God simply says, you're in a boat that won't go under. He gave him promise. Let us all pass over to the other side, not let us sink. They weren't even remembering the promise. They were watching the storm and the circumstances and situation look bigger than the word of God. And now Jesus tells him how, what was Paul saying in all of this? What was his lesson that he learned in all of this? Whenever trials and troubles come along. Keep my trust in God's promises. So he says, now I'm going to rejoice in problems. I'm just going to have a good time. If they put me in prison, I'm going to sing. Paul and Silas, and we're going to form a duo and we're going to sing out loud to the Lord. This is the things that God's trying to tell you. What God is telling you is the word of God is beyond anything else in life as a protector. Now there's certain things you can do. If you're sick, there's certain prayers. They're actually listed in the word of God. I'm praying again in faith for sickness and disease. And it's God's will to deliver everybody out of sickness and disease. The promises of God come to us later though, that there's certain things in life that are not a sickness or a disease. It still comes from Satan. Remember, this thorn in the flesh was a messenger sent from Satan to attack and to buffet Paul. The word buffet means repeated blows one after another, much like a man that's boxing in a ring and Satan keeps hitting and Satan keeps hitting. But the point of it is like Rocky, we just keep standing. If we're knocked to the ground, while we do, we get right back up again. This is found over in 1 Corinthians that I've been knocked down many times, but stood up. This is what Paul is trying to understand and tell us now through this verse of scripture is when it comes to the attacks of life, it's time to simply rest on the promises of God and keep on going and understand something. I'm going to outlast these things. I'm going to make it to the other side. The storms may look bad and it did in Paul's case, but he simply made it to the other side. At the end of his life, yes, he was beheaded, went to heaven, but his ministry still keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. What does that mean? Satan failed. He sent a demon to actually harass him, to come against him with all the trials. And of all those things that are listed there in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, here's the point. Never did Paul say he was sick. He was in fastings often and shipwrecks and all the trials, but never did he say he was sick. The point of it was all these things were amplified when in that chapter that describes his thorn in the flesh simply says this, a messenger from Satan was sent to 
buffet me. And he listed the trials and troubles there he went through, but not anywhere near what chapter 11 lays out, describing all the things that happened in Paul's life. So again, the, the demon was sent to buffet Paul, hit him repeatedly. Paul asked God three times to remove the demon, but God said every time, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made greater and perfected in your times of weaknesses. In other words, if you never faced a trial, how strong would you be? Or would you even know how strong you are? It's not until a trial comes along that you stand up and realize standing against it, I need more strength. So it's in the, what are you supposed to do? Well, go back and start reading the word more, studying the word of God. In fact, look up trials and troubles and affliction. And God said to Paul, each time my grace is sufficient for you, my strength is made greater and even perfected in your times of weaknesses. Paul's thorn in the flesh was a strong attack by a demon to bring trials and affliction. He finally said in verse nine, therefore more gladly I will boast in the midst of my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. Taking pleasure in infirmities doesn't mean you're happy for them. It means I'll take pleasure knowing that in the midst of this infirmity, I'm gonna come through. And when I come out of this, I'm gonna be stronger than when I was in it. Why? Because I use the promises of God for exactly what they are needed for, and that is to gain strength. So Paul could stand up to stonings and beatings and whippings and imprisonment in distress. His life was in danger from assassins, and all this again was for Christ's sake. What's Paul leaving with us? Oh yeah, there's gonna be many trials in your life, especially if you decide you're gonna live for Jesus, but God's gonna bring you through all of them. And not only will he bring you through down here, he'll reward you for them when you get to heaven. I've had a great time today, I trust you have too. Be sure and get a copy of the book, How Deep Are the Stripes, and I will see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.